Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers, leaders, and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad. This is where product leaders and managers become product masters, gaining practical knowledge, influence, and confidence so you'll create products that customers love. I hosted a virtual summit back in April this year, and I met many wonderful people in the process. One introduced me to her slinky dog metaphor, that thing that can go down steps, a slinky dog for product management, and also a methodology called fast goals. She calls fast goals a winning methodology as it enables you to win, solving problems and creating value for customers. It connects what you need to accomplish with how you will accomplish it, along with why you're taking those actions. In the discussion, we role-play using FAST to solve problems that I've had as a frequent traveler. Now, this is something most of us are not doing so much right now, but it will certainly return, and it was on my mind as a problem to solve, as it's one that she has tackled as well. Her name is Janine Sivy. She has been a software and systems engineer, contributing to and leading product development for several organizations, including Kodak and the Software Engineering Institute. She's currently the Director of Healthcare Solutions at SDLC Partners. And remember, if there's anything during the discussion that you hear that you want to go back and refer to, we take the notes for you. We're also providing an action guide to make it easier for you to put into action some of the key concepts we talk about. And I'll be sharing in those notes as well a link to more resources that you can get from Janine to understand how to apply fast. You'll find all those materials at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 293. Now to the discussion. Janine, thank you so much for joining the Everyday Innovator podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be part of your world. Well, I'm glad we met. We actually met because of the Everyday Innovator Summit, which was in April, and we got together a great collection of speakers. I was so glad to be part of that and host that. And you reached out and and we talked about a few things related to product management and all the work that you do. And one thing that I did that you commented on and and that we talked about later, for the session that I presented, a part of that was metaphors related to product managers. And I was positioning us as product managers that we need to be big lovers. We are big lovers in the organization. We need to step into that role. And we talked about different kinds of metaphors. And you shared one about the slinky dog. How is a slinky dog related to what product managers do? So I thought that'd be a great place to start. Tell us the slinky dog metaphor you use. Yeah, sure. So Slinky Dog is my lighthearted thing that I do. And I do it in workshops live with clients Mm -hmm. to point out when the people who are defining and designing the product or the service or the innovation get really far ahead, right? So, and I do this all the time. I get really excited about what I'm doing and I get into all of the details and I'm zooming off ahead of everybody else. And Slinky Dog is a way to remind myself and others who are in that position that you are way ahead and you need to stop and pause and be really deliberate about letting all the other stakeholders, your team, your your peers, your clients, your bosses, whomever they may be, catch up in an organized fashion, not catch up through the force of physics where they all of a sudden have a reactive slamming into you effect. Or what I what used to happen to me as a kid, Slinky Dog breaks completely. Oh no! Like, ah, Got stretched too far. Stretched too far, and it yeah. just breaks. So again, I just use it in a really lighthearted way to remind people that hey, a group is or a, a group or an individual is running way far ahead. We need to pause for a moment. Yep. 
I like it. When you first told me about Slinky Dog, I went, I don't get it. But then you explained the metaphor and like, oh, absolutely, right? We, we, we need to stay in pace with people and get them to come along with us as, as we are influencing and getting support. We need to make a meme, right? Grab the Slinky Dog from Toy Story, that image, and yeah. make a meme of our, our thought here. So that was really good. And then we talked about the, you just mentioned, you know, in, in workshops, you talk about Slinky Dog. And one of the things that you've put together, you call it Fast Goals. Product management, a, a place I think we need to, to start anytime I'm training a product management group, a place I do start is on strategy. And what is the strategy of the organization? We go back to the mission, vision, values of the organization. How does that influence strategy? What are your strategic objectives? And how do those, those strategic objectives filter down to what you're doing in product work? And when you talk about fast goals, that very much was about aligning those aspects Um how just give us the what we'll, what listeners will talk through how to use this tool in just a moment but Janine give us the background on what was going on that you came to you know creating this thing uh, what was the problem that you were running into that you needed this yeah sure let me start with the the problem that it addresses today and then I'll backtrack a little bit for how it started because like a lot of things it started somewhere else hmm. so it's very much about addressing what you described a moment ago you know, if you think about product and service development and management and innovation, they come in all shapes and sizes, small, big, all kinds of different functions being addressed. And as a result, there are a lot of lenses on what's going on and a lot of voices in the room. And so the things you described about alignment actually can become very, very difficult, you know, trying to get all those pieces into a unified view. And Fast Goals is about that. It's about unifying the voices and creating that really clear line of sight between the top level objectives and day-to-day work. So mm-hmm. it's it's purpose, alignment, and it's relevant relevance, and it's stitching together and prior, prioritizing across all the goals, the critical capabilities, and their strategies, tactics, and measures. And it, it sounds like a lot, but when we get to the methodology, it's really, really simple, and it goes really fast. What I like to do with it is turn the diagram that comes out of it into a North Star diagram. Mm. And that actually becomes a guide for the people doing work on a day-to-day basis. And it actually is really empowering for them because it gives them a way to make day-to-day decisions with confidence that they're well aligned to the needed outcome. And it also gives them a lot of clarity in how their work contributes to the bigger picture. And that gets lost a lot of times on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, and I have a lot of conversations like that, just uh, I'm sure as you do too, that different people, different stakeholders will have a different perspective on what this project is about, where we're heading, who we're actually serving, what problem we're solving. Yeah. A tool that I like to go to often for that is the Lean Canvas, you know, kind of a version of the business model canvas from Alex Osterwalder. And the Lean Canvas just, I think, focus on the product dimension of that really well. Mm-hmm. And that's great for helping people recognize like, oh, I'm thinking about a different customer, right? We're serving. Or actually, I thought we had a different problem in mind or different aspects of the solution. And maybe as we go through this, we can kind of see how that kind of fits in too. When I looked at your framework, I thought this was a good place to start kind of at a higher level. You know, what, what is that big problem we're trying to address? Why are we trying to address it? What pieces do we need to, to put together for that? This is just a quick timeout to tell you that companies are investing in their product managers and product teams to equip them for higher performance. They're using my RPM experience. That's the Rapid Product Mastery Experience. This is a virtual facilitated experience where we meet for nine weeks, 35 minutes a week. 
You have a group of product managers facing tighter deadlines and needing to create even more value for customers? Check out the RPM experience. Go to theeverydayinnovator.com slash RPM for details. I only have openings for two groups starting in October. I would love to help your product managers. Now, let's get more Fast Goals insights from Janine. Can you talk us through the, the key components that you use? So it's basically a ladder of abstraction method, and it its roots for me go quite a ways back. So it, the, the reason it has its name, Fast Goals, it, it actually is both an acronym and an indicator of speed because it, the method itself works really rapidly. But it the acronym version of that is called Function Analysis Systems Technique, which has been around for decades and decades. And that is a how, why, when methodology that I learned when I was in manufacturing. Hmm. And so the components of FAST goals are an adaptation of that, where I took what in FAST technique is a horizontal diagramming approach. I rotated it 90 degrees to make it sort of organization enterprise strategy friendly. And I kept the how and the why, but I replaced the when with what. So it's what goals are you pursuing? And you can be up at the top of the enterprise, or you could be at a department level or a project or product level, whatever your span of concern. And then how are you intending to achieve those goals? So it's how, 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 how. It's a decomposition. And then the why part of it serves as a validation. So you know, these diagrams, when you're in the, the crux of building them, can get a little bit messy. But once they get cleaned up, everything that's on the diagram is validated by answering the question, why? And if the elements of the diagram above the goal you're focusing on, so let's just say you're down in the second or third level, if the things above it do not answer the question, why, then something is either missing, misaligned, or possibly even extraneous. Like you might have something stuck in there that doesn't really matter as much as, as you thought it might. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that is in its very basic, uh, in its very basics is how the method works. And the part where it gets married to it, to how I originally created it is it gets married to a measurement methodology called goal question indicator metric. So I've taken mm-hmm. some pieces of that out and every goal on the diagram is further described in terms of what are the success measures? So how will you know when that goal has been achieved? And then each goal gets strategies and tactics with different kinds of measures on those. And so that's actually where this started. It was a front end for a measurement infrastructure method. But in one of the really early engagements that I did, we discovered that while fixing their measurement infrastructure, we also got this great alignment and strategy component in this line of sight. and the way I use it most today was born at that time. Yeah. And anytime people talk about alignment, that always captures my attention because I find most of the inefficiencies we have in organizations come down to misalignment issues, right? We're we're not working on the same thing together. We're not moving in the right direction. Maybe we're not doing the work that needs to be done right now. We're doing important work, but not what needs to be done done now. So uh, for everyday innovators that are listening, I'll put a graphic. You can think of this just like an organizational chart kind of as we break down, you know, the big problem and we go through the what, how and why kind of pieces and add to this. But I'll put a template graphic in the show notes to help with this, too. I thought it would be fun to go through an example together. I read uh, with the material that you sent me that when you do this in workshops, you often break people into groups of two or three, have them work on a piece of, of a problem. 
and then kind of synthesize that together later. And I appreciate what you said earlier that this can get quite messy, just in sense of anytime we're doing that kind of workshop format, we come up with lots of ideas, right? And we're trying to capture all that. And then we usually have some activity where we're kind of converging those thoughts onto what is most important. Right. And, and those make it in the final diagram, right? They do. So you had a suggestion in in the materials we've sent about designing an improved customer experience at airports. Yep. I use that sometimes to get people familiar with the method. Okay. So why don't you treat me as as the person participating in this activity? And I'll try to give you some ideas for that. And I think the timing is really good. Listeners will be hearing this uh, in the future, probably about eight weeks from when we're recording, but we're recording towards the end of May. I and mean, we're still in remote, you know, distance working sort of situations. But it sounds like airports are going to be opening up soon. Hopefully this has been a time when people did stop. And if they haven't yet, when things are still a little bit slower to think about how can we, you know, improve the experience when we do and get flying more frequently. I'll be your guinea pig. You lead me through through the activities. Perfect. So we start at the top. How would you improve customer? So the top goal is improve customer experience in an okay. airport. So we would do open brainstorming. How would you improve that? So what is your answer to that? Okay. And you can think about pain points. You can think about challenges, processes. Any Anything comes to mind is fair game. So a few pain points. I, I I do my best to stay out, out of airports these days. I, I did travel for about eight, 10 years every other week somewhere. So I okay. spent a lot of time in airports and, uh, and on planes. So I doubt if my pain points have been addressed since that time. So one pain point, I still fly some. One pain point is uh, just TSA, right? You, you have to deal with the weight and going through the line, getting queued up, all that. And I recognize the importance of that. So, you know, changing the fundamentals that I'm not poking on so much. Uh, if we could just walk through, it'd be great, right? If there was enough technology in place to make, to preserve the safety and we could walk through, I would love that. But the thing that would even help me before that, you know, my, I guess in my brain, I, I'm too much of an engineer. I tend to jump towards solutions, right? I probably should be filtering that way right, right now. But just knowing uh, the wait time would be helpful, Right. If I get to the airport and I had had something that would say, hey, you have to, you know, TSA right now is 20 minutes and use this TSA to get to where you're going, right? The, you know, to get, with that pain point is just how long is it going to take to get through the airport, right? I, I, I want to get from where I am now, wherever that might be, you know, maybe I stopped and got, took time at the gift shop and I'd like, like to know how long is it going to take me to get from there to the gate, so I can kind of plan around that, maybe you know, do a few other things and feel less anxious about the time it will take to go through TSA if I haven't yet. Another pain point, <laughs> I've spent a lot of time in airports, another pain point, uh, this has happened to me too many times, I care to admit, because it was probably entirely user error, but I have sat at the wrong gate. I'm usually multitasking, you have the laptop out, the phone out, doing other work. And so I go to the gate that's on my boarding pass. And even if it's on my phone, it's the one on the boarding pass. And I have ended up at the wrong gate and not realized it until it was too late to get to the proper gate. And this one bothers me enough that I have looked in. There are apps for this sort of thing, but it just seems like that should be much easier and automatic. I, I want to know if I'm at the wrong gate. What, what else is coming to mind about how you would improve customer experience? Okay, so we got the... How long is it going to get through TSA gate awareness? How long is it going to take me to get from where I am now to my gate? What are other things about customer experience that kind of get in the way? Food in general 
usually be better. <laughs> and when I was flying frequently, I knew which restaurants I li- would like to go to. And and with that, back to time, I guess time is a big part of this for me. I knew which restaurants I could get in you know, more quickly and get out or wish I might be able to grab something to go. And once again, time. Oh, and, and I kind of like the yellow brick road type capability. Like Chicago, they do a terrible job with this, but they try. So the main Chicago O'Hare, I think they, at least they used to have the color stripes down the, you know, the, the big hallways. And if you had to go down to the C concourse, you know, you followed whatever color it was. But I would like something that was more tailored to me that, you know, said, okay, you're here now, right? The, the, the virtual map thing, you're, you're here now and you need to go there. How do you get there? And I guess I could tie that back to it. It would tell me how long it would take me to get there too. Yeah, those are a great set of needs. So in a, let, let me talk a little bit about logistics and then some content. Uh, a workshop setting, everybody would put their ideas out on, on the table, and then we would start synthesizing. We would affinitize, look for the common themes, uh, transition or transform comments from maybe the way they were initially spoken into what what maybe was meant, the meaning behind the meaning. And in a workshop setting, or even if you do it offline, we, we would have several voices. So you express your voice a lot of time interest. Um, that's also one of my personal interests. How can I get through more efficiently? But in exercises I've run with different teams, a couple other things have come out where when people are traveling with children, part of getting a better experience is to have activities for kids. And I think in mm. my, I, I don't travel a lot anymore either, but in the one travel attempt I made earlier this year, it happened to be on a day when we had a snowstorm and the destination I was going to had a tornado. And I spent, oh, five or six hours being transferred from one possible flight to another possible flight to another one before I got kicked to the next day. Yes. And that was a terrible experience. I, I've had the same experience. Yeah. You know, and mine ended at, I was in Dallas and we finally got on the flight at like 1 a.m. and we sat on the plane for 40 minutes and then they told us we had to get off. Right? So <laughs> that is not good. So things related to changes. So you mentioned yep. the one change about your your gate got changed and you didn't know because you're, you're at the place your boarding pass said to be. So how can they communicate a change they're imposing on you? But then when the weather changes, when any kind of change happens, how can that be smoother? And I really liked your, your idea of, you know, you're walking through an airport and the facility is instrumented in a way that knows where you are and can tell you where you need to be next. So out of all of this, we would organize and simplify. We start turning the blocks into verb nouns. The The diagrams are most effective when they get really simple into hmm. a verb noun format. And then we do the how, why uh, validation and then add all of, all of the other information on it. And, you know, a couple of the tips that we used as we were going along, you know, think about pain points, think about critical capabilities that need to be stable. Think about unsolved problems. You know, basically everything is fair game and it works really best when you have a cross-functional team. So those voices we talked about early on, get those voices in a room so that you have a really well-rounded perspective on the problem. Mm -hmm. And that's how it works. 
Okay. Well, let's walk through one of these to just kind of tear down the levels a bit more. Sure. And make, I don't know if there's one that you'd like to pick in particularly. The Maybe knowing how, from anywhere I am right now, how long is it going to take me to get to my gate? Right. So how how would you do that? And so the, it, at this next level, it probably starts getting into innovation ideas, things that would be new products and services. So what are a few ways? How are a few ways that you you would like to accomplish that? The, the easy one, I think, is just the app on the phone that knows where I am right now, knows where I need to go. This would solve a lot of the other things I talked about probably, because if where I need to go changes, it could alert me. And it seems like, at least with existing technology, that would be an easy way. And I, I don't know if this is legit or not, but I just saw yesterday an announcement of Apple Glasses and that that was actually the name that they're using right now too. It's like, not very creative, given that we had Google Glasses, but <laughs> Google Glass. But so that might be, you know, also easy, approachable technology. But how, how should I think about phrasing this just to, you know, sure. as a team working on this, okay, let's tackle this problem. How do I lay that out to get energy around? And you said, you know, like a verb noun combination works well. Yeah. So at the top, we want to have improve experience or improve customer experience. So there's a little latitude mm -hmm. there. And then a question for you, is the sub goal reduce the time to get to gate or be accurate about the time to get to gate? Yeah, I, I want, if we could reduce the time, that would be wonderful. I'm actually not thinking about anything that grandiose, I guess, because I've been in airports too much and I already feel restricted. But given just what is in place now, just knowing the time it takes, how what I what do I need to set aside? Do I have time to take that other break at Starbucks and grab a drink on the way or not? So I'm thinking more about the accuracy of the time. Okay, so... We would put uh, a box for now. It's a little longer than a simple verb noun, but predict time to gate. Okay. And then we could put under that, how am I going to do that? And there's an app on phone. There's smart glasses. Let's work with those a little bit. So now, now we talk about going the other way just really quickly. So we're going to implement... And, and this actually happens a lot, especially with technical folks. We're going to implement an app and we're going to implement smart glasses. So why are we implementing the app and why are we implementing the smart glasses? Is it to predict the time to gate? Is that a sufficient answer to why we are doing those? So there's other alternatives we could consider first before going down that path. If we say an app is a reasonable thing to pursue, then... I probably have a few things in my mind that I'm combining together because that not only do I want the time to gate to know, I also do want that map to show me you know, how do I get from where I am to where I need to go. And maybe it could show me some bottlenecks along the way too, right? Like it's, if I'm outside of TSA entry, it's, you know, here, here's a bottleneck where you're going to spend the next you know, 20 minutes, whatever it is. I, I do see the app as helping me to satisfy, predict the time it takes me to get to my gate. Okay. And I also heard you say another why is optimize the path to gate. Yeah. Yep. Which might be a form of reducing the time to gate. And with that, so now I'm throwing out other things I would want. Huh? Um, and optimizing the time to gate, I also want to reroute that, right? Because yes. I might say, oh, I, I have you know the next hour and 40 minutes and I'm hungry. And my favorite burrito place is 
one concourse over, do I have enough time to get over there and do that? So it's kind of like a an internal GPS in the airport, mm-hmm. just right. like you, you would have in your car when you go, ah, I really need coffee right now. And mm-hmm. my favorite coffee place is six blocks over. I'm going. Right. And all of a sudden your GPS starts recalculating your route and the time. Like I use my GPS more for how long is it going to take me to get somewhere than the path I'm taking. So mm-hmm. I reroute. So sounds like that's a little bit of the spirit of what you're chasing. So here in the diagram, the app might stay like we're going we're going to go create an app. That's a new product, a new service. And now the the answer to why is that app is going to help me optimize my path, which is going to help me reduce my time or if I so choose change just change my time because I might add things to my internal trip. Those things specifically may or may not actually predict the time to gate. So they might be the way I communicate what that predicted time is, but they unto themselves might not be answering the how of the actual prediction. And the prediction might not be answering the why of the app. So it starts depending on what all is in that app and whether the app is for the user or maybe the app is for an administrator or a systems person who's actually running all the analytics. Right. And this is the synthesis that happens that starts moving blocks around and getting them on the right line of sight. And once that's done, then the people who now launch the project about the app and the product about the app have a pretty decent sense of what and why this app is to exist. Um, doesn't give you all the details, but it gives you those guardrails and the the meaning for the app. And when the team goes forward and starts brainstorming in the tactical details and they go off and do their ethnographic research and all of that kind of activity, they may come back and said, aha, we found something else or we had another idea. Right. And it might come back and change the diagram. And say, huh, mm-hmm. we found another reason. But that's yep. okay. It's it keeps everybody in alignment. So for example, my, my kind of my string of consciousness thoughts as you're going through that, you know, another thing that came up in my mind was there are times as the frequent business traveler that you you have enough time because you got to there, you know, some leg of the trip earlier, and you know there's an earlier flight going out to get me back home. Right. It's like, okay, if the app would tell me. Do I have time to get to the gate? And is there a standby space for me on that plane? Let's do it, right? That would be a beautiful app. It's a beautiful app, right? And those that travel a lot really appreciate that. I can get home a couple hours or hours earlier. And with that, I started thinking about a comment you made earlier too about uh, you know traveling with kids. So I'm going down a path in my you know you and me and this cross functional team figuring this out very much as the frequent business travelers sort of sort of target segment here. If I switch that to I'm dad with, with my two kids and trying to go to Orlando you know, for fun, all kinds of different problems, right? Thing, di- different things I care about at that point. And so having that recognition that you know maybe we start that more purposefully in the beginning about who are we serving, or maybe with this cross-functional team, it just kind of emerges as we talk about it. We go, we think the biggest problem that we could solve right now is, you know, th- this segment over here versus, you know, my my business traveler segment versus the family segment or other segments that might emerge. 
Right. And that can find its way onto the diagram. So one other whole branch of how am I going to improve customer experience is I need to understand my customer segments, but I also need to understand my my customers, my flyers and travelers change their hats. And so not only do I need to understand it in a traditional marketing sense, I need to understand in real time which hat the traveler is wearing. Mm-hmm. Because you're not probably telling people or telling the the airline which hat. They might be able to infer it if you buy four tickets, but they may not be able to infer it. So that could be a whole nother branch of the diagram. Mm-hmm. Additionally, you're, you're thinking about, oh, there's an earlier flight. I want to get home earlier. And I have been there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is so important after a long business trip. That actually also starts expanding the highest level goal. So it's no longer what's the customer experience in the airport. It's what's the customer experience of this travel. And in order to make the airport experience good, I need to broaden my horizon and say, I need to look at that person's end-to-end experience. And maybe I create new partnerships that will allow me to expand that reach. And so all of a sudden, all of this synthesis actually changes what's at the top of the picture. Mm. And that happens a lot, a lot more in diagrams I've worked on than you might think. Yeah. Going back to think about reframing the problem we started with and, and maybe we framed it too specifically. Maybe this isn't about the airport experience. Maybe it's about something larger, larger than that within the setting of a vacation or the setting of a business trip or something and how we frame the problem has a large impact on what paths we tend to go down. <clears throat> and I think it's very wise for us when we're tackling something like this to spend some time talking about that together, right? What are other ways we could frame this? Yes, exactly. Okay. Okay, so so th- this is very helpful. So to kind of s- summarize where we are. So we started with a, a big problem here. You know, how do we improve the customer experience in an airport? And through thinking about that some, what are the key pain points I approached it initially through one target segment's kind of eyes, the business traveler, the key pain points there. We might have other people involved in this exercise that would be approaching it from the other you know, perspective of traveling with kids, traveling for leisure, uh, weekend getaways, other things we could come up with. We might have a discussion, Does that should that be part of our problem framing in the beginning, or should we let it be more you know, larger in general and kind of see where that goes? But we identify our pain points for each one of those. We are thinking about how we might address that pain point, like through an app or through smart glasses or some combination. And then for the, each time we do that, we're now we're going back and we're addressing why are we doing that? And is that helping us address our pain point actually or not? Exactly. Okay. So we're trying to keep those things aligned. So what do you see as a product that the organizations end up with after this sort of exercise? The, the but like the artifact, the thing they're looking at. The like. artifact is literally a, a diagram. Mm-hmm. The, the ones I've done that have been my favorites end up as laminated diagrams. So they become a reference point, something that people can hang in their office. And behind the diagram, there is usually a document. It can be slides, spreadsheet, whatever whatever format you prefer, but something that lists the the meaning of the goal, the strategies, the tactics, and the measures. So that rich content behind it is not necessarily lengthy. The 
the most recent large one of these that I did, we had about 18 boxes on the diagram and we had one slide per each box on the diagram that said, what does this mean? What are its strategies and tactics and what are its measures? So it was basically 18 slides and that was for an entire enterprise. Okay. Um, so that's yeah. really the output. And then people go off and go about their, their daily work with that as their North Star. Excellent. Yeah. And you're telling a story through those slides to you know, back up each of the boxes. Yeah. Um, and the big picture here, you, you, like you said, you have that vision. You have the North Star. What is it we're working towards together? Yes. So keeps everyone on the same page. Yep. Very important. Good. As listeners know, I love innovation quotes. Do you, do you bring us a quote and tell us why you chose that one? I bring us a quote. So the quote I picked, it's by an unknown person, and it is, we more frequently fail to face the right problem than fail to solve the problem we face. And I picked it because of its relevance to today's conversation. And, and I couldn't have predicted exactly how our conversation would go, but the things we talked about a few minutes ago really highlighted exactly that. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in the hamster wheel of life. You know, we set off on a path and we get one thing done and we move on to the next mm -hmm. and we start losing track of alignment and relevance. And maybe sometimes the big vision isn't super clear or maybe it changes. So this quote is really about taking fast goals even broader and, and taking it back to its roots which are framing the problem space, framing the solution space, and making sure folks are focusing and aligned around the right problem, the right solution, and the right actions. Mm -hmm. So that's why I picked it. It, it ties in beautifully yes. with what we were just talking Couldn't about. Couldn't have predicted so how well. <laughs> yeah. Really good. Yeah. And I, I think that also goes to the nature of cross-functional teams. I tend to be wired. I always blame this on being an engineer originally, but um, wired to quickly move to a solution. It's like, okay, yes. show me problem, here's solution. And I very much appreciate, they used to annoy me, but now I very much appreciate having others as part of the team. I'll say, now, nah, hold on, let's back this up a little bit. Are we actually considering the right set of alternatives? Are we spend some more time investigating alternatives? Do we have the right problem framed yet? Right. Instead of me just going, nah, got it, let's solve it. We're let's right go, there. right, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we need those different perspectives. That's pretty important. Absolutely. Okay. Janine, if people want to find out more about Fast Goals, about the work that you do, how can they do that? I think the best way, I'm, I'm open to direct messaging on LinkedIn. So that's the, sure. the best way to reach me personally. We, we do, in my current role, we have a small white paper out there and a webinar that walks through some of these same things. But I'd say, you know, reach out. The method is so super easy and elegant that a lot of people who have you know, solid toolkits under their belt will find that with a little bit of prompting, they're going to be do-it-yourselfers. They're going to be like, I yeah. got it. And, you know, my only ask is to give some credit to the method. I, I do have it copyrighted, but it's freely available. And I, I have a lot of colleagues who use it on a regular basis. But if you have something that's really, really complex, or if you don't have those underlying toolkits under your belt, you know, reach out and I'm, I'm glad to help get you started. I appreciate it. And thanks for being part of the Everyday Innovator podcast. Thank you so very much for having me. 
So back for a bonus question, I, I wanted to just dive into maybe some examples of where you have seen fast goals applied and kind of the change it made in the organization, what they got out of that. Sure. So, so I have a few examples. I'll give some highlights of a few because this space is so varied and I know you have a really broad listenership. So I want to have a few things that might resonate with people. So one is a software and system development organization, and they they were working on flight systems. And flight systems involve human safety. So their quality was outstanding, way beyond six, seven, eight sigma. And their clients were super happy with what they were doing. We started this Fast Goals exercise with them as part of an effort on organizational maturity and how to incorporate analytics and modeling and prediction into their world. And what we found, even through very simple statistics, is that their cost and schedule variability was really high. And on principle, we started some initiatives to improve that, but couldn't get any traction. And the reason was that their customers were extraordinarily happy because their customers cared about quality and responsiveness. Mm. Didn't really care about cost and schedule, you know, within some reason. So in that context, we still said, yeah, but cost, you know, on principle, cost and schedule should be better. What we ended up really doing to get traction is we completely realigned that initiative to improving market share with their products and services. So getting the next contract, getting the next piece of business, getting the next slice of market was very difficult because they couldn't predict when their folks would become available to do that work. So we completely realigned it and people had that aha moment to say, this is why cost and schedule performance is actually important. And we got the traction and then then they started doing much better. So it wasn't about the products and services themselves, but it was about getting the traction in the market and getting the slice of the pie they wanted with their products and services. Yeah, it was solving a different problem. It was solving a different problem. So it was kind of approaching initially from that project management perspective of, you know, we're delivering on the scope. People are happy, high quality, but are the costs associated with that and the schedule we're not the best at predicting what that is, right? but no one really cares, right? Our customers are happy. Management doesn't care. You know, everyone's happy. But then when we think about the problem, again, reframing it to, well, what about the next opportunity? We have this customer that wants us to do work for them. When can, when can we actually get that queued up and communicate that and know that everyone working is going to keep working? And so adding some schedule predictability on the existing projects helped that problem Exactly. My next one uh, was a large military client. So this was an enterprise level system, legacy system, and everybody can relate to this, a legacy system that was breaking, go figure. And in this case, it had some really serious user facing defects and they were trying to fix it, keep it alive as much as they could while they switched to a new a new system. So they were, they were going to buy a product from somebody else. And this one, we, we actually had a double win on this project. So while they were trying to manage all of this, they were delivering a one inch thick manual of measures to the general. And that is way too much measurement to be giving to a general. And that was, that was the impetus for starting this. This was one of the early engagements that I ever did back when it was really focused on measurement. In the process of creating the diagram to fix the measurement, which we did, 
we had the aha moment about the strategy and the alignment. So this is actually where the the current version of the methodology was born. We found that it was really the same team that had to, to sustain the old system and configure and implement the new system. And by creating this alignment diagram, first of all, everybody had that very visible realization that we were overtaxing the same people and we had to be very deliberate about managing their attention across these competing mm. initiatives. And we were also able to whittle down the key capabilities that these folks needed that would allow them to navigate these two worlds efficiently. And that between the deliberate attention on how they spent their time and then whittling down the number of things they had to learn and do to the critical core, they were actually able to better manage both scenarios and then and get their new system in place. And so that was good for them as an organization, as an internal service provider. Also, it's really helpful for the company that was providing the product they were implementing because it allowed that company to understand their client's shoes and see what might be in the way of the deployment of this new system that was going to save everything, so to speak. So there were a lot of wins out of that, that engagement. Yeah. Starting with that recognition that we have this bottleneck, right? The reason why we're not getting the measurements that we want is because this bottleneck exists, not knowing that, that, you know, that, got clarity around that to know where the problem was. Right. And then doing this role kind of definition work and any organization faces that, you know, the, you know, we have multiple things that need to get done. Sometimes the same people doing it in a government setting. That's much more challenging to get another role open to, if we, if we approach it that way, right. being able to kind of deconflict that simplify what needs to get done and make it clearer to the people doing the work that, that all was a good win. Yeah, that was a great win. Cool. And then I have two more if we have time. All one right. one strategic, one kind of tactical. So something more recent for me and my healthcare work, we did an explicitly fast goals engagement. It was all intended out of the gate to be about alignment. It was with a, a healthcare provider we work with, and it was about unifying the voices of more than 30 executives across all of their facilities. So, you know, this is a distributed enterprise, all with that common goal of great healthcare, but with quite a lot of difference in the logistics behind delivering that healthcare. And they wanted to start operating as one. So this was my most ambitious single workshop with the maximum number of participants I've ever done. It was, it was quite a lot of fun. And they created a single North Star for how they would improve patient experience and outcomes and as and also to improve the operational logistics across the system mm -hmm. and it wasn't really about changing core healthcare right the medicine they were delivering was still the same but the how they delivered it was what changed and how they coordinated and how they did it faster and better and for for better patient experience. That was where all the change happened. And this diagram was really quite comprehensive. It, it was a larger one that, I, that I've done and it spanned some internal improvement projects as well as different ways to deliver services as well as some organizational infrastructural elements. And it was amazing. And, it, and this was the one we had three, if you can imagine a 
20 by 30 foot conference room, three walls solid with post-it notes. And we got it down to a single diagram of about 18 blocks. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. The first part of that, getting 30 executives, getting two or three executives on the same page is hard enough. Getting 30 executives to have agreement on the strategy. Yeah. Colossally huge. That was huge. That's that's huge. So So a little testament, a side story related to that. I mean, you know how busy everybody in the world is, especially executives. And in today's day and age, we all multitask and we go to a meeting and we leave the meeting early to go to the next meeting and so on and so forth. Every workshop we did, they all came. They Mm. didn't send delegates. They Mm. came. They stayed. Because they were super engaged and it was them. It was all about them. I mean, it wasn't about me. It was all about them and what they cared about and how they did their work and how they could come together to act as one. Good. And you said you have one more? One more. One more. It's very, very tactical for folks who are in the trenches. Um, I am a big fan of drinking my own champagne. So I use this myself very, very frequently. So I right now manage a healthcare service line. We're, we're largely service oriented, not so much hardcore products. And I have a fast goals backdrop for our portfolio. And when we d- think about adding new things into the portfolio, we run them against this same validation. You know, why are we doing this? How does it align? Should it be added? And we also use it to get in our clients' shoes. So we've added some different dashboarding capabilities and we've created patterns of fast goals to represent our clients and what they would care about to validate whether our service offering would get traction with that client? Does it have the right attributes? Does it have the right level of service? Does it really solve the problem that a client would care about? So I'm using it in, I guess, multiple levels of indirection myself in a very, very tactical way on a day-to-day hmm. basis. I'm not sure if I caught quite you know, all, all, all the nuances of how that has been placed, but what I was thinking about was often we struggle with we end up creating capabilities for our customers without really having good insights if it's needed or not, right? And you switch that focus to really considering why are we doing this and how is it helping our customers and actually adding value or not. Right. And that seems to be a good thing to kind of have at the center of your North Star. Yes. providing customer value and reminding everyone all, all the time and checking, or, or, you know, is this working to make a difference or not? Yes, that's exactly yeah. what we do. Yeah. yeah. Well, once again, thank you for the information. Sure, appreciate it. Thank you so very much for having me. It's been great fun. And I'm really hopeful we can keep working together on different kinds of things. You, you run a great podcast. And the summit where I first met you was outstanding. That, that was one of the best events that I've been to in a long time. And you know, I'm so sorry that a pandemic happened for me to find it and to be able to participate because it was all virtual. Mm -hmm. But I'm really grateful that I found it and that I found you. So thank you so much. I'm glad you did. And just for anyone listening that wants to go look into that, the recordings are still available. That's at the everydayinnovator.com slash summit. Janine, thank you. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to The Everyday Innovator. This is where product leaders and managers make their move to product masters, gaining practical knowledge, influence, and confidence so you'll create products customers love. 
Find the written notes and that PDF action guide with everything we talked about with Janine at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 293. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit theeverydayinnovator.com.